0: Streaming from Abbey Cat Recording Studio in Chicago.
1: You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential.
0: Welcome, everybody to our next podcast episode of Influenced.
1: All right, And yeah, uh this week we're doing uh the uh seminal kind of punk punk icon and punk artist uh Susie Sue, and probably most specifically her band Susie and the Banshees. Uh, they started in uh the mid seventies, like nineteen seventy six, I believe to be exact, I believe the as the legend goes. Um, Susie Sue and a couple of her friends from kind of art school were like early punks in the seventies in the, in the UK and, um, were big, big in the, uh, just like big on the punk scene. And there was, I, as as the legend goes again, they, uh, there was a sex pistol show in 19, I believe 76 where uh, Susie Sue went with her friend, Stephen Severin, who would be like her kind of partner uh, for the duration of the band. She's like he was uh, the bass player in the, in the in the band and was kind of the, the other songwriter. He wrote a lot of the lyrics with Susie. And uh, so the two of them went to a uh, Sex Pistols show. So right before the uh, big Nevermind the Bullocks, here's the Sex Pistols record. The, uh one of the big tracks. Off that record, God Save the Queen. Susie was, I guess, very inspired by the, uh, energy of the, uh, early punk scene, and, um, I guess that that seminal Sex Pistols gig, her and, uh, Stephen Severin kind of cornered the, uh, manager of the Sex Pistols at at the show, and, um, when, uh just into their idea for a band uh, with with the the manager of the Sex Pistols at the time. And I, I don't know if he got on board or if he just kind of gave them the boost of confidence that they needed to like get the get the uh, band kind of off the off the ground. But pretty quickly after that initial Sex Pistols gig and her deep dive into the punk subculture, like she started wearing exclusively like those the punk, the punk outfits and like the uh, big leather jackets and like a lot of just very um, out there fashions for the time. She definitely took that and took a lot of that energy into the the music that her and Steven Severin began making. And um, they they had kind of a rotating lineup of musicians who would play with them. But um, for their first few records, they would like kind of feel out whoever was kind of in the room, I guess at the time and just on guitar and drums and stuff like that. But uh, they very quickly kind of got a sound together, a very kind of dark take on like the punk rock sound that was very prevalent at the time. But their first album, the scream came out in 1978. So just a year or two after the band kind of formed, but it had this breakthrough song, Hong Kong Garden, which was their their first big hit, and I, I mean it wasn't even like a massive hit. I think it was a uh, like minor hit in the UK charts, but was definitely like enough to get get them some momentum and get them some some decent gigs playing with other kind of punk bands at the time. Like I know they played some shows with with uh, the Clash mm-hmm. and the Sex Pistols and bands like Joy Division and some of the other like kind of early gothic uh, bands and during the like late seventies. Uh, because especially because like bands like Joy Division and Susie and the Banshees were definitely kind of at the forefront of like what would become known as like post-punk and goth music uh, kind of kind of before it was even really a genre. But uh, mm. here is Hong Kong Garden off of the uh, first Susie and the Banshees record, The Scream from nineteen seventy
0: Breakthrough song for them. I, I I don't know about you, Blake. but I, I'm hearing uh, some Clash in there oh, yeah, for sure. There's
1: definitely a, a decent amount of Clash influence and uh, a lot of just like that early, early kind of punk style. I mean, they definitely like took it and like refined it a bit with like a little bit more like studio quality production, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like yeah. obviously, Susie's vocals are like very very powerful in their own right. Yeah. Um. And they definitely like. I would say, like, their first records, like, this is off their first record, The Scream, but like, their their first few releases are definitely very, like, indebted to, like, the early punk scene. And then they kind of, as the 80s kind of rolled around, they kind of started um, expanding their repertoire, just, like, bringing in some influences from just, like like, other genres of rock and also just, like, outside influences, like just even like jazz influences and just some like even like stuff like musicals and um other just like kind of not as popular uh forms of just like music but they started bringing in a lot more just like diverse influence and also just like really got into using these the studio as kind of a uh an instrument in and of itself like which is that definitely something I always look for in, an artists as they kind of progress and record more and more like, and Susie also began like exploring a lot more, just like themes of like darkness and, um, just like the, uh, almost like, like not necessarily horror based, but definitely like some very Gothic imagery and very like, Halloween esque imagery, mm. just like, like very spooky and very dreary. And, um, like, not necessarily talking about what society would deem as like your normal average love song, or if it is a love song, it's going to be a creepy love song or something like (laughs) that. Exactly. But um, this is a, uh, this is one of the bigger singles off of their first album from the eighties released in 1980 called kaleidoscope, which is definitely like kind of, it's a third record, but um, it's kind of seen as like a, a little bit of a turning point, like creatively for the band, just in terms of like, They were really starting to kind of broaden their influence with past just like what uh, was seen as like punk music, which was like punk music can be really, really interesting. But it is generally kind of musically, um, I guess. um, It's kind of easy to get pigeonholed as a punk Mm -hmm. band musically, but uh, they definitely started breaking, breaking out of that influence in the early 80s. Uh, with with songs like this which is a uh, happy house off of kaleidoscope.
0: a little more bounty
1: definitely and that that the uh kaleidoscope record is also the first record with um the uh the drummer who would be the drummer for the rest of the uh band's kind of tenure his name is uh he just goes by budgie (laughs) on the uh records uh b-u-d-g-i-e um however you want to actually pronounce that i believe it is just budgie but um he was like a uh, professional like jazz drummer who's like definitely brought a lot of just like expert musicianship to what before was like kind of a punk band. And like his his drumming was definitely like very instrumental in bringing the the band up up a notch musically and just like professionally just because like he really just brought like a lot of professionalism and just like um, like skill and quality and musicianship to the band and it was very much like it definitely coincided with like Susie and um the rest of the band including steven severin and and everyone else who was playing with them at the time like kind of like opening their minds to a lot more just influence musically and stuff like that and then also uh right after this kaleidoscope record actually is a bit of a a tenure with um uh, Robert Smith of The Cure playing guitar for the band. He played guitar for the uh, records starting after Juju, which is the record per, record following Kaleidoscope. But um, the uh, Kiss in the Dreamhouse and uh, Hyena both feature a little bit of Robert Smith, and um, it was a kind of in his tenure away from The Cure. But um, the uh, the when Robert Smith joined the band, it was definitely like, a the, the Gothic rock kind of came out in full force. Um, and you can definitely tell like by the mid eighties, they were definitely like, um, very much getting indebted to that, that kind of Gothic rock and post-punk sound and kind of carrying on the torch for a lot of bands that like, like joy division had unfortunately, uh, ceased to exist, uh, in the years prior to this because of, uh Ian Curtis like meeting his end and um the cure kind of uh were taking a bit of a few year break mostly for for Robert Smith to uh join suzy and the banshees but um during this time they kind of took up the torch as like the kind of premier darker post punk band um when a lot of the other bands at the time like like new order was kind of embracing synths and dance music. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of other alternative bands were kind of like not exploring the darker, the darker sounds as much, but for, so for the early mid eighties, early to mid eighties, Susie and the Banshees was definitely kind of the premier, uh, dark, I guess, Gothic, uh, music. And definitely, and by the mid eighties, Susie had, uh, kind of, perfected her famous look of Mm -hmm. like the uh, gothic just like gothic priestess i guess just like uh all the the black hair and the heavy makeup and the uh just the the black attire and all that it was very much like a a, an image that's still very very famous to this day Mm -hmm. uh but um here is one of the more successful covers of the band's career because the band has always been made a uh, big deal to cover some of their favorite artists. But this is a cover off of Hyena uh, featuring, which uh, is the album that most heavily features Robert Smith on guitar. But this is a cover of the Beatles track, Dear Prudence. But it really shows how they could like take this. What is generally like a nice and uh, peppy meditative Beatles song and kind of turn it into something that's very gothic, it almost sounds like they're talking to you outside of like a a castle dungeon or mm-hmm. something like that. But here's Dear Prudence as done by Susie and the band. tell how they can kind of take a song that like everyone really knows and everyone is very familiar with and kind of turn it into something that has an almost entirely different feel to it. Mm-hmm. And is, it could be almost an independent song in and of itself, but um kind of by by the mid-80s, the the Susie and the Banshees had definitely established themselves. Maybe not like the the most commercially successful rock band of all time, but they were definitely one of the more influential rock bands of the of the time and of their like just like of their peers in the in the music industry at the time, like a lot of a lot of very successful alternative rock bands in the late '80s and early '90s. One the one of their biggest uh, supporters, kind of in the press, was uh, Sonic Youth, mm. who talked a lot about how like that song, like Hong Kong Garden, is like. Um, I think one of their guitarists it was is kind of quoted as saying like. Hong Kong Garden is like one of the most important guitar tracks of the last like few decades of of rock music and stuff like that. So there there was definitely a lot of uh, influence kind of in the alternative music scene that the the Su- Susie and the Banshees were were turning on to uh, a lot of the other bands. And here's a here's a cut off of the 1988 uh, Sonic Youth record Daydream Nation, where you can definitely tell that they were like really getting into like what the what the Banshees were were after and taking a lot of influence kind of from from the band and from their their um, kind of uh, vibe of just just uh, not really giving giving too much of a uh, like uh, like thought to like the uh, what the outside world might think of the, the kind of dark i guess energy that they might be putting out in their in their music here's teenage riot off of daydream nation by <laughs> can really hear the just like Susie and the Banshee's influence and in especially in the like beginning of that that song like that guitar tone is definitely straight out of something like Hong Kong Garden or a, an early Susie and the Banshee's record but uh her I mean there the, the band's influence on just like alternative rock especially in the late late 80s and early 90s definitely can't be like understated like a lot of a lot of the early early uh alternative rock bands. Or alternative rock bands that would become the seminal bands of the '90s. Even bands like Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana, like, definitely took a lot of influence, especially earlier in their careers, from like gothic rock and the, the 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 music like that that was very much spearheaded by Susie and the Banshees. Like Billy Corgan talks about, like how in the beginning of Smashing Pumpkins, like prior to their first record, they were like making like goth rock that they hmm. that he said was just uh him trying to copy the uh Susie and the Banshees and Cure records that he was getting from from record stores. Uh so like by the by the late 80s they had definitely solidified their their influence as one of the uh like kind of premier bands to look at if you want to know like kind of where rock music is being pushed forward and uh where it's kind of going. And they definitely were aware of their uh kind of influence there and were definitely kind of st- trying to um uh strave kind of or kind of attempting to continue that path and they definitely succeeded in like the the early 90s their record superstition was kind of a a, a re for the band like it had a uh a couple big hits like the the lead single kiss them for me was one of the first like big mtv hits for the band it had a music video that got got pretty pretty well well received on m t v and so they got to do like the the top of the pops and all the uh all the press
2: mm.
1: kind of shows in the in the nineties at the time and they were definitely expanding their influence past even what rock music was kind of used to at the time and they worked with on superstition their nineteen ninety one record they worked with the uh producer who was kind of famous for um a lot of new orders work and a lot of the just like kind of acid house and club music at the time. So they were working with like a club producer to write, ra- write this rock album. And they used a lot of samples and early hip hop influence, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, drum machines and very cool, like reverse effects. Like the, uh, the, this, the, the, uh, the compositional beat for, uh, Kiss Them For Me is based off a, uh, Roland 909 which is a famous drum machine it's like a stock beat from the Roland 909 that they synced up with a reverse loop from another Susie the Banshees track that had been released a couple years prior but um they reversed so it's a reverse Susie the Banshees loop synced up to this mm. 909 drum machine that kind of creates this like very cool uh rhythmic loop that plays throughout most of the song uh and they also expanded like uh, there's a lot of Asian music influence on this on this record and like they, uh, they, um, worked with a, uh, tabla player who plays tablas on a number of songs on this record. Hmm. Uh, but, um, so, and he also does some backing vocals in the bridge of kiss them for me, but, um, they definitely were kind of taking rock music in the early nineties past where it might, where most people would have normally thought it would go. And like a lot of people initially did dismiss this album as a, uh, as maybe a uh their attempt at a quote-unquote dance dance floor record when it is actually like the retrospective reviews have definitely been like this record is very very forward-thinking and like it has been one of the the coolest kind of combo early combinations of like dance music rock music and pop music to kind of create a very uh unique uh experience and here's kiss them for me
0: Really cool effect in that song, Blake. Great, great pick. Um, Do you think it's going too far to say that Susie and the Banshees maybe were the top influencer for for this period of time?
1: Uh I mean, I don't maybe know. too far. I mean, that's I, that's again, a pretty I don't big know. statement. That's, that's a big statement, but they are definitely one of the biggest influences on like rock music at this time. I mean, they definitely. I don't think they got big enough to be the biggest yeah. influence, but sense. like they were definitely a big a big kind of tastemaker at the time. And like, like the uh the drum beat for that that song is actually uh it's a stock 909 uh drum beat that you can find on like those 909 drum machines but it really mm. you can find like that exact drum beat on like a number of hip hop albums from the from the 80s like this is a uh PSK or this is a school ED track called PSK What Does It Mean and uh it's based around that exact same drum loop from kiss them for me. Mm. So it really shows you that like, this is where their heads were at when they were looking for, for musical inspirations and, uh, where to kind of go forward with their sound. Uh, so they were definitely not just drawing from just like a bunch of just a circle jerk of rock bands that just sound like the exact same. Mm -hmm. They were definitely taking their, their, uh, their time and like looking outside of what most people would normally suspect. Uh, an English rock band from the that started in the early earlier mid 70s to be looking looking at in the early 90s but this is school ds what does it mean
2: what the hell mean? people the people who can't understand a one whole boy became a man. You scream and shout, one by one. I'm knocking out. Came for the wave, my DJ cutting. Other MCs, when ain't saying nothing, rocking no one to the break of dawn. I banked for money. Your time is sore.
1: So, obviously, that's not the uh place you would expect most rock bands to be taking influence from in 1991, but it's very, very interesting and a very, very cool thing that like Susie and the Banshees were kind of, their heads weren't just at the Sex Pistols anymore. They've been, they've moved on to like more, more interesting things for the times and kind of being, being tastemakers that like are more appreciated now than they, than they might've been then just because of how groundbreaking they were and how like there weren't many rock bands using, just uh drum machines or 909 beats taken from mid-80s rap tracks. Mm-hmm. But it's a very, very cool, a cool thing that the the Banshees were able to uh bring bring together a lot of uh different influences to kind of make this like very cohesive gothic rock that was always very soothing in the Banshees, even even if it sounded completely different from one record to another. And they're certainly one of the most influential rock bands of the last like 30 or 40 years. Mm -hmm. Like I know, and like they get, they get praise from the upper echelons of rock music too. Like I know that the edge from you, from you two talks about Susie and the Banshees being one of his all time favorite rock bands. And so there's a, there's a lot of influence kind of just across, across the board about, or just like about their just like contributions to music and their, their ability to kind of create something that a lot of people might be uncomfortable with, but, Give it such a such a, a form that they can dance along in the in the club or mm-hmm. at the at the theater gig or wherever. So a very cool image and a very cool culture they were able to cultivate with their music. And uh, I'm gonna close it out with a track from their 1988 album Peep Show uh, called Peekaboo, which is another mm-hmm. track uh, that definitely it shows them expanding their kind of. Uh, their sound and their uh, just what would be normally considered rock music. It's a very, very quirky sound, a very quirky song mm. based around a lot of just vocal samples and a lot of very interesting music. But uh, they're definitely one of my favorite bands and uh, definitely an influential rock band for the for the past. And they definitely continue to, to be in major influence. I mean, like even pop stars like Charlie XCX talk about how Susie, Susie Sue was like a is a major influence, even if it's just on their image and their the way that she was able to, like, portray just like darkness and sensuality, just like through her through her look and through her music. And it's just a very, very influential thing. And she's been a very influential woman across art. And her uh, bands have been very, very good. And um, unfortunately, the Banshees kind of saw their end at the uh, end of the 90s with a lot of just like rock bands kind of get coming to the end of their time, but they had an over 20 year run, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, definitely a good run for any rock band. So I'm going to close their, uh, close their, uh, session out with a peekaboo off of peep shell.
0: My, uh, you know, um, I just think it's a great band and I agree with you. It's sort of like, everybody sort of now appreciates them Oh, definitely. but yeah. back in the day uh not you know a much uh, a much more narrower group of people yeah uh, that's widened out musicians yeah definitely definitely yeah. so yeah thanks for uh thanks for listening everybody you and we'll so much we'll see you he next time up.